photography lovers and happy new year! I'm so excited for 2019 because of the guests and the topics and mostly the fact that we're here together and we can get the chance to support each other. George and I want to wish you a year full of ideas, clients and knowledge and we believe we can help you in all those three. So why don't we start right away with the very first guest for the year. Today, Luke Wooden will tell us about his past in film photography. We talk about the old process to develop a film and how his work evolved through the years and brought him to the commercial photography and commercial clients. We talk about working with brands and how your style can correlate to your client's style. We're answering the question who decides on the concept of a paid photo shoot. We talk a lot about the communication with the client and how to achieve balance. And these are like just the first 10 minutes of the interview, so there is a lot more for you to learn and hear. But before that, I want to remind you that you can kickstart 2019 with your latest editorials because right now Lucy's Magazine is accepting editorials. You can submit both your beauty and your fashion work. So if you want to know more on how to do it, go to the show notes and find their website. I don't want to waste any more of your time because I know that you're super curious when we talk about clients. So let's start with the very first interview for 2019 with me, Virginia, in this episode of the Fashion Photography Podcast. Hello, my name is Luke Wooden, and I'm a photographer and director, and I live in Los Angeles, California. Oh, that was brief. <laughs> <laughs> It won't be that easy. First off, tell me, have you ever had an education connected to photography? A little bit. I went to the Art Institute of California, Los Angeles, and I studied cinematography, Ooh. but not necessarily studying photography directly. Although when I was taking that class, At the same time, I was managing a film lab in Santa Monica. Wow. We processed basically like everybody who lived on the west side of Los Angeles, all of their film. So this is like awesome people shooting cars on 4x5 film. We were running all the uh, E6, which is slide film for Playboy, which was like four blocks away from the lab. So I knew a bunch of the photographers in the area. And the woman who was teaching the photography class at my college was actually a client of mine at the lab. So basically, when I entered the class, she's like, oh, Luke, that's awesome. You're taking this class. You're now my teacher's assistant. So <laughs> really, the only photography class I took in college, I was basically helping teach kids black and white printing and film scanning, because this is sort of right at the end of people shooting film professionally. But who taught you that? I have sort of been taking pictures and filming since I was probably in about the sixth grade. I was a skateboard kid, and I grew up in Portland, Oregon. And so whenever we were out skateboarding, we were always taking pictures and filming. And one summer, I sort of hurt my foot really bad, and I couldn't skate anymore. So I basically still wanted to go out and hang out and have fun. So I just became like the crew filmer. So I was always filming and taking pictures. So this is something I think I can't even remember the time in which I started learning how to take pictures, if that makes sense. It was so long ago. <laughs> I, remember, I remember going to like the mall. I, I think I had a picture in this magazine that I really, really liked. And I went into the mall, which was like not even a professional film operation at all. But it was like a place where if you were parents, like a mom and dad, you could get four by six prints made of your kids. And I went in there and I was like, hey, cool dude, like the guy who looked like the youngest and the smartest. <laughs> and I said, how did they take this picture? And he goes, oh, well, that's called cross processing. And 
that's when you take slide film and, and you process it in C41. It makes it like look really weird and trippy. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And so then, I'll, of course, like the next day I went out and tried to do it. So I was kind of learning that way. So by the time I actually worked at the film lab, I had a, at least a pretty good understanding of everything. How did you end up in a film lab? That's so cool. It's like my dream. <laughs> yeah, well, now there aren't very many of them. There's, I think there's only one left in LA. But at the time, the one that was really, really cool that was on the west side was called A&I. And my apartment in Santa Monica, like the first apartment I moved to when I moved to LA, was three blocks away from A&I. And so we, me and my friends were always shooting a bunch of pictures. And we were just like walking over there and developing them. And I think all of our pictures were kind of at least way different than all the other clients that and I had currently been managing. So all the girls that were working at the lab would come out and be like, oh my God, we like look, always, like whenever you guys come in, we like look at your pictures. Because we were out doing weird stuff like cross-processing and doing skip bleach. And we'd go out on these weird road trips and just sort of always trying to do experimental stuff. This is way before I even thought like being a professional photographer was actually a job. So we were just out taking kind of artsy type photos. I think those girls were also doing that kind of photography themselves. And so we kind of became buddies. I think when I was graduating from college, they were basically like, hey, there's a job here if you want it. And I was like, yes. So I took it and um, worked there for a couple of years. You've done some very crazy stuff with your photography back then. But right now, your work is very, very clean. Yeah. Do you think these crazy periods are over? <laughs> no, I don't know. I think the work that I do now, which is primarily commercial work, So I think a lot of people shoot, you know, all kinds of different stuff, but most of the stuff that I do is like working directly with clients. Mm -hmm. And then with, with clients, you'll sort of develop a look. So with Aloe Yoga in particular, from the get-go shoot number one, where we were testing lighting, we sort of all came to an agreement, like this is the look of the brand. And then now we sort of go out and shoot in that style. And of course, every shoot, you're refining a little bit, you're, you're making a little bit nicer, a little cleaner, you're figuring out how to make it better every time. But with commercial clients, you sort of oftentimes are getting a creative brief from an art director or from the brand, or you're developing it with them. And then it's sort of your obligation to then go out and shoot in that style. Whereas like if someone gives you some wild, crazy references and says, hey, can you do some crazy artsy fartsy stuff? Or even a, a job really recently, they requested we shoot on film, at least partially. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we busted out some old film cameras and we shot some stuff. And then we scanned it and looked awesome. And it was kind of like a commercial version of my old work, which was really fun. But yeah, I think it's, it's bizarre. I've gone down this path of super complex productions and making them look really clean and nice. It's funny that you mentioned the look of the brand of your client. Do you think that when a photographer is having a particular style, this is the look of their brand? A lot of photographers will have one look that they do, let's say, and they're known for that look. And then when a brand wants to do a shoot in that look and they're looking at all the different photographers that have that style and they might pick like, oh, that guy, he shoots hamburgers, right? But he shoots hamburgers like edgy. So someone might say like, I want to shoot like the hamburger campaign and make it grainy and make it, you know, crunchy. And they go out and look at everybody's, you know, portfolios that look like that and they might select somebody. That I think that definitely happens. As you get to become a bigger and bigger photographer over time, you probably end up developing either intentionally or unintentionally a style that those sorts of clients are going to work with you. Or it can be something like people look at your work, they really, really like it. They've heard of you or they know something that you've done. You get into a conversation with them and they say or say like, this is what we've ultimately wanted to do. And this is a, sort of what I like doing is a brand or a client will come to me and say, 
I have this idea. I have this dream. I want to do this. And it's like, yeah, okay, let's go do that then. And so what you end up becoming is kind of curator or a director of the photography and trying to help them develop their brand. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, I think it is making sense because actually in the Fashion Photography Podcast Facebook group, Kim Fisher asked the question the other day. Let me just read it for you. When you're approached for paid client work, not a portfolio building, who decides on the concept and creative direction of the shoot? And uh, she has given three different answers as an option for the people to vote. It's a team effort. The other one is you have complete control. And the third one is the situation when your client is coming to you and they already have said everything. So you basically need to push the button. I think all three of those things end up happening. I agree. Yeah. And I think it's all depending on it. It all depends on the size of, of your client. It all depends on the scope of the work. It also depends on what the creative is. I think if someone is hiring you for a new relaunch of their brand and they already have a look in mind and they've seen something you've done that looks similar to that, they say, hey, the reason we're picking you is because we saw this kind of photography before. And what we want to do is, is basically redo that. And you as a photographer say like, oh, that's incredible. Th like, thank you. I love that. Let's do it. Or I'm no longer doing that type of work. And <laughs> I think what we need to do with your brand is this. And then what happens is the client might say, oh, well, okay, thanks for your time. We already have this as like a two-year plan for like what our brand is going to look like. So you might come into some contention there. I think for me, at least, I sort of feel it's kind of balanced almost generally. Hardly ever are they just saying, do whatever you want. If you're getting paid, right? If you're going to do a campaign, mm -hmm. rarely is a client, at least in my experience, saying, just do whatever you like. You can shoot anything. And then you can just feel like, oh, let's lay on the ground and shoot in the dirt. And they're just like, oh, it's genius. Generally, there's going to be some kind of collaboration where you can say, hey, that's a great idea, but there may be a better way to make it look prettier or better if we do this. And they go, oh, that's a great idea. And working in collaboration, generally your best shoots are when you have good artistic direction and they still let you bring your sensibility to the table. They're able to like listen to what you're saying. They totally support you. You might even say on set like, oh my God, look how incredible the light is over here. Let's shoot this. And they're like, yeah, go for it, right? So they're letting you be a photographer, but they're still saying, ooh, maybe not that. That's not us. That's not what we do. And some brands have such a strong brand identity, you're almost always going to have to bring a little bit of that into the mix. <laughs> It's going to be absolutely impossible if, let's say, Coca-Cola comes to you and you're like, yeah, but we can just twitch a little bit this and that into this direction. And I think it's too red. <laughs> It's never going to happen. I mean, you yeah. can... You can talk about the general idea, but to be honest with you, usually when a client is coming to me and they're like, you have the complete control over this photo shoot, and that's a client that I see for the very first time, I'm usually very concerned because this is either going to be an amazing photo shoot and they're super okay with your style, or it's going to be a disaster. And soon they're going to start with, we don't like this and we don't like that. And we were trusting you and it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. And also there's, there's something to be said about if you're hiring a very famous photographer, you know, like the big, big people, the people that we all like look to like, oh, I've had a hundred covers of Vogue. At that point, you're probably are going to just say, do what you like. The reason you're hiring that person is because of their style. And that style is exactly what you want. And you're probably not going to tell Patrick DeMaccio, like, oh, you should shoot like this. He's going to say, mm, no. Yeah. 
there's obviously like a sort of a, a balance, but when you get to a certain level, you're probably going to lean a little bit on the photographer for aesthetics. And even Coca-Cola, they hire big, big photographers and they bring that photographer's aesthetic in. But like you're saying, you always know front and center is that glistening Coca-Cola bottle. Mm -hmm. That's the balance. Always. It's true. You said that you were skateboarding and you mentioned one of your clients. And you're obviously very familiar with sports, but I wanted to ask you, do you actually need to exercise some sort of sport in order to shoot it the right way? Or it's just like a myth? Uh, I don't think that you have to. I think having an understanding of like what the sport is actually supposed to look like, I think it's probably not a bad thing if you're really active or you like engaging in sort of outdoorsy type stuff, if you're going to be an outdoors photographer. But I don't think you need to be a really good soccer player to shoot soccer. I'm terrible at soccer, and I have shot a bunch of soccer campaigns. But I think what, what you need to do then is understand the physics of the game, work with professionals, have really good talent so that they can look at the pictures and go, oh, yeah, that is legit. If they're saying it looks legit, then it's probably legit. I shot P-Rod for Nike, mm -hmm. a skateboarder, and I grew up skateboarding. The creative director, when we sort of started talking about everything. They said, oh, do you have any experience shooting skateboarding? And I was like, oh, yeah, I totally do, you know? <laughs> and so for me, when I got a shot, I could actually tell you that's perfect. Like, that's a perfect, you know, switch crooked grind because I know what that looks like. Whereas mm -hmm. maybe even the art director didn't quite know if that's perfect form. So if I say, oh, that looks good. And then P-Rod says, oh, yeah, that's perfect. That's like the shot. Whereas if I was shooting lacrosse for the first time, you may have absolutely no idea you know, how you're supposed to capture the form. So either you got to start doing some research and asking a lot of questions or work with professionals. With yoga, we always have a lot of spotters that are sort of sometimes sitting by the camera that are looking at and saying, oh yeah, the toe needs to be a little straighter or let's bend that leg just a little bit more. Um, and after a while, of course, you get into understanding everything, but still a professional eye. I think if you're shooting sports, the form of it has to be legitimate, even at a professional level. You don't want to shoot something that looks good to most people. And then a skateboarder looks at it and goes, oh, that's so fake. You want it yeah. to be real across the board and legit. So that's the challenge you have. I understand you're not practicing yoga. <laughs> I do. I do every once in a while, but I'm not super good at yoga. I think I need more fast-paced sports. I sort of try to spend a little bit of time every day meditating, just kind of taking a deep breath and being mm -hmm. peaceful. But in terms of going into a room and stretching for an hour... I usually get a little ADD. It's uh, very interesting that most of the guests are usually saying that they're meditating and I'm doing it myself too. Do you think that this profession is super stressful? Yeah, I think that it can be. I think there's something about how complex photography is and how complex commercial photography is. For someone to be working in it and, and essentially thriving in it, you have to be managing so many different factors all the time. Right now, uh, we're shooting Friday, Monday, and Tuesday. On Monday, we're doing video and photo for two different clients. It's so complex, and you have to manage so many people and so much different stuff that I think it sort of attracts that kind of person who's naturally can be stressed out. And if not, it can definitely bring the stress out of you. Is the meditation the only thing that you do to get rid of the stress? No, I actually, I've, I've been playing racquetball a lot, and so I'm in this sort of uh, amateur racquetball league in LA, which is nice. super fast paced. And really, when you leave there, you're like totally done. You know, you're totally like at peace because you've just gotten the shit kicked out of you. 
But yeah, I mean, I think exercising and trying to spend time with loved ones. And I have two dogs. These are my best buds. I was waiting for you to say that. Honestly, that huh. was the reason I asked you this question because <laughs> hugging dogs. Oh my God. This is like the best thing. I yeah. love it. I also yeah. know that you have a cactus. I don't think you're hugging it, but <laughs> no, I actually have, I think I have 300 cactus. I have a somewhat extensive cactus collection. Is that your hobby? <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of, one of the hobbies because they're sort of low maintenance in a way. So you can kind of leave for two weeks and come back and they're, they're still okay. Although the cactus, I think, adds to the stress, to be honest with you. I think I have too many and it's like kind of managing it as a pain. Well, I can relate to that because once I killed a cactus. So I guess um, I'm no good for this conversation. <laughs> so let's go back to your clients. You mentioned one of your clients um, that I think you have a very sort of long relationship. Is that true? The yoga guys. Yeah, we've been working together for a long time. Oh, how long exactly? I want to say five years. Ooh. I think the brand launched a while ago and, and they were kind of figuring out what it's going to look like, what it's going to be. The owner of the company is a really smart guy and, and he is very involved in, in sort of a lot of the decision making he had like a strong sense of what he wanted it to be. And so when we did our first photo shoot, I feel like it was almost like a test. Like, what is this brand going to be? Mm -hmm. And we did a little bit of prep and we went and shot the campaign. And I think the first photo shoot right out the door was really successful. And I think it was like pop. It was like more of like a pop. And everyone was like, oh, this is so cool. We were shooting yoga in a more fashion way than had been done before. Whereas like yoga traditionally is always not, not hippie in a bad way, but ethereal and it felt like clicky. Whereas aloe yoga is like, this is for the modern woman, a mm -hmm. woman who's like attracted to fashion, a woman who looks good, who likes dresses well. He wanted the yoga clothing to be sort of like you could go to the yoga studio and then you could also leave and still walk around town and look like you're actually just wearing clothing. Uh, you can tell now, at least in LA and New York, everywhere you go, girls are wearing yoga pants almost as much or more than they're wearing jeans. So it was like this idea he had was basically from the studio to the street. We always have an element of both of those in all the campaigns we do. We'll always do some crazy epic nature, which is the core of the brand, which is like yoga and the connection to nature and the spirit and breath. And then also we're always shooting in some kind of urban environment, which is obviously no one's just doing yoga out in the forest all the time, right? So people are like in cities and going to yoga. People are in New York and they're practice going down to the studio. We've been working together a long time. What's the most challenging photo shoot you have done for them? Usually about two times a year, we go on like a really challenging production. With Aloe, we've actually shot uh, the top of a mountain at 11,500 feet in elevation and it was negative seven wow. with the wind chill. So that was really hard because, you know, basically at that point, your computer starts to freeze. People are super cold. The elevation is so high. Just doing basic yoga moves or moving around quickly, you can pass out. Earlier this year, we went to Arizona and we shot in about 107 degrees. Super, super hot, which, you know, makes equipment funky when you're using lights outside and it's that hot and you're using equipment and people are sweating. You have to keep the girls looking good. So they're coming in, sort of working for a few minutes and then they have to go inside. Those sorts of shoots are really challenging too. I feel like I get hired to do those sorts of jobs. Whenever someone says, oh, this job is basically impossible, I get a phone call. 
And they're like, hey, can we shoot in the desert? Can we shoot in a mountain? I mean, shooting on the on a beach is actually really challenging. I think everyone thinks like shooting on the beach is super simple and super easy and everyone's in board shorts. But if you're going to put equipment out on the beach, it's hard. And there's uh, tell wind. Tell us more. I bet you have an example. <laughs> so like we just shot a campaign down in Mexico and we wanted to shoot. It's sort of in the middle of the day on the beach. So we're bringing out giant 20 by 20 silks, silking all of the light coming on to the talent. And then we're using a bunch of strobes to kind of fill it back in. And then we're using all these flags and stuff to kind of shape the light. And then, of course, you're in direct sun, so you're shading yourself and you have to lay down for any pads that you can get super low angles on. And then all of a sudden, you've got a computer on the beach and you have to protect that from the sun and the clients want to see the monitor, so you're blocking it. So now all of a sudden, you have tons of equipment everywhere. Everything is sandbagged. You know, all the 20 buys are tied down with ropes. You're staking huge stakes in the ground to support the ropes and all the weight. So at that point, you know, you're basically in challenge zone. If a lot of wind comes through, you want everything to, to stay put. So those sorts of jobs are really tricky. And also you have to have a client that understands and a team that understands how important it is to work quickly, but also work safe. You don't want to put some gigantic piece of equipment up that's just later going to come down on everybody. And it takes a lot of time to make something super safe and secure. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot, a lot of times as a photographer, you're basically just kind of directing traffic and you're, you're, you're telling the client, no, it's okay. We're on schedule. Like we're just going to make this really safe. And they're saying, oh, okay, cool. And they're like, well, what do you mean safe? And it's like, well, you don't want that piece of equipment to fly over here and hit us. Do you? No, no, no. So just give them some time and the guys are going to make it safe. And then your guys are like actively managing every single detail of that. How many people do you usually have on the set? I think everything's different. It just depends on the scale and the scope and how much you want to get done in a day and how fast you're moving. But you can have anywhere from 12 to 50. You know, that might include everything from wardrobe and wardrobe assistants, hair, makeup, styling, styling assistants, hair and makeup assistants. You may have four or five assistants. You might have a grip. You may have a gaffer. You'll have a digital tech. You usually have a couple of PAs. Then the clients have their people. There might be an art director. Then there's a couple of models. So it adds up pretty quick. But not all shoots are like that. Sometimes you're shooting one girl and you have one hair and makeup. I mean, I have jobs with eight or 10 models. And then you have so many people on set. You don't even know. Maybe you only know half the people that are around. Actually, this is reminding me of a podcast we had with Jason Bell. I don't remember the number of the people that he asked his assistant to count, but it was just tremendously big number. So many people. He, he said that he was sure that some people there were confused and <laughs> they did not belong to the shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he shoots commercial work as well. And sometimes when you're doing a big production outside, I mean, you, you just need so many different people. And me, I basically become tethered to a spot. So I need people to like get everything for me. Like if I'm shooting and it, we're in it and I need a bottle of water, someone's got to go get it for me. Or like I need something to eat really quickly. Someone has to get it for me. It's like you become a baby. You can't even help yourself. And so you're, you're I mean, it's so funny. Like well, I'm pretty close with all the guys I work with, but they basically like treat me like a baby when we're working. We're not working. It's like you can go get a beer and hang out and be buddies. But you'll just be like, hey, can you please go get me water? Hey, can you go get me a sandwich? Okay, can you make sure to take the onions off the sandwich or something like that? And I'm just like, uh-huh. Like they help you with everything. Oh, that's so nice. Because sometimes when I'm shooting, I forget to drink water the whole day just because there oh, is yeah. no one to remind me. And you'll, you'll all of a sudden stand up and be like, I don't feel so good. Oh, right? you've been shooting for four hours and you haven't had anything to eat or drink. True. So it is important to have buddies on the shoot. You said that you're going out for beers and stuff like that. 
Have you been friends before the work life? Sometimes yes and sometimes no. I almost feel like it's better to work with uh, professional people that you get really good, strong professional recommendations from, and then you, some of the people you end up just being really good buddies with. Then the other way around, I think sometimes when you work with your close friends, there's a, a tendency to kind of keep things too loose and too casual. I think it's really important to have like a good camaraderie in set. And I never want anybody to come on one of our photo shoots and be like, oh, that guy's a dick. Or people are bummed out to like work on the shoots. So for me, I want everyone to have fun. I think if everyone's having fun and, and being very professional, you're going to have a better production than if everybody's super miserable. But at the same time, you definitely, people need to like get things done. And, and just because they're your buddy doesn't mean that, you know, oh, I showed up 20 minutes late or whatever. But like, you're my best bud. You know, that sort of stuff is not cool. And as a professional, really, your team is so important. They represent you. They're doing things that you don't even know about when you're shooting and something's moving over there. They are handling it. You don't even know they're handling it, but you just know your guys have your back. And I think crew is super important. I think people who have like, you know, shoddy crews can get themselves into some trouble. Absolutely agree with that. I hope you love part one because next week we are going to release part two of this interview. So if you truly enjoy that, and if you love our podcast, please leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to give even more exposure to your work, you can go to Shoestring Magazine and submit your latest editorial or your article, because they're also accepting articles. And I find that very fascinating. Hope you do too. The link is in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for listening to our very first episode for 2019. And I cannot wait to see you this Friday when I'll be answering your questions and giving you some tips and tricks. I'll see you on Friday. Bye.